We are recording Recording in progress on Wednesday, March 29th, 2023 at 5.05 p.m. Eastern Time with Dr. Patrick Moore and Mr. Robert Spencer. Uh, both have been on here uh, individually, and this is a, 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 a hybrid episode. And um, guys, if you want to support the podcast, you're watching on Rumble, click that little red button. That's Locals. So that's Rumble's version of Patreon. You can go support the show for a couple bucks a month, exclusive content, promo code Tommy. And if you don't want that and you want some uh, merchandise, I do have my own crazy graphic designs that I put on hoodies. That link is in the description as well. But enough of these selfish plugs. We both... I think so Dr. Moore came on here and we talked about your book about, you know, kind of fake or like amplified catastrophes and how the the green movement and for anyone that doesn't know, Dr. Moore is the co-founder of Greenpeace. The green movement is more of a power grab. And Mr. Spencer and I wrapped our podcast up last time um, philosophically, among other things. Also, though, do they do the elite really believe in this? kind of eco-catastrophe or is this just i didn't even realize that water bottle was in the camera or do they just want to use this as a power grab and um i couldn't think of a better two people to pair together with this so um dr moore could you maybe throw your two cents in, two cents in and then mr spencer and then we can just kind of bounce you two off as i sit here and nod like a peon well i always start with the fact that every molecule of co2 we are emitting from burning fossil fuels and making concrete came from the air in the atmosphere in the first place. It was all sucked up by life and put into deposits either as fossil fuels, which are made from coal is made from trees and forests and oil and gas are made from marine life that went to the bottom and got locked up there. And all of the shellfish are responsible for making a hundred million billion tons worth of carbon in limestone and other life created rocks and that makes them unavailable the only place co2 is available is in the fluid parts of the earth which is the atmosphere and the oceans and that has been removed in vast quantity over the ages and everybody's going on as if we're making co2 higher than it ever has been in the history of the earth when in fact it's still like not even 10 percent of what it was when 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 multicellular life appeared I mean, in the Cambrian period, what they call the Cambrian explosion of life, when multicellular life began, then they learned to make shells for themselves out of calcium and carbon dioxide, and that's been lost. The whole of the the cliffs, White Cliffs of Dover are made from the shells of coccolithophores, which are a phytoplankton that photosynthesizes and has a shell. And the idea of taking a soft body like a jellyfish and putting a hard shell around it, it does a lot to protect it from predation. I mean, it's a major step in the history of life is the, is creating shells in marine organisms. And, you know, there's land turtles have sort of done the same sort of thing. Uh, mammals and, and, and birds are sort of the opposite. Our skeletons are all inside us, so they don't protect us in the same way. But we can run, uh, and, and that helps, but clams can't run. So uh, anyways, that's my introduction, that every single molecule of CO2 we are putting in the atmosphere, that's where it came from in the first place. So why not put some back? I, I can't see how that could possibly be changing the status quo in any negative way. And, and Mr. Spencer used to um, actually used to advise the FBI on, on extremists and extremist nature. And I can only imagine that we are all digging ourselves a hole and we are becoming eco-terrorists 
with every second that this podcast goes on that we are now being mr your your work is being used against you they're they're spinning up the supercomputers at the department of homeland security and they're going look at these terrorists talking about phytoplankton like it's nothing but your your thoughts on all of this mr spencer yeah you know this is great because i don't know anything about any of that and just to hear that i think that makes so much sense what you just said i don't know anything about it but it seems to me to be self-evident when you set it out in this way that this is the situation that the apocalyptic hysteria that we are getting from the elites is not similarly sensible or sound when i hear it and so i appreciate the facts and the information that you've just given us and it seems to me that it's obvious that going back to your opening statement tommy that the uh, elites do not believe in their own nonsense because everything that you said was just so clear and compelling and made so much sense i can't imagine that these guys like barack obama or soros or anybody else you want to name that this, these simple facts elude them if they have looked into these matters at all. And uh, like I said last time when we were talking, it seems to me obvious that they do not believe what they're saying when they buy these lavish beach houses on land that's supposedly going to be underwater any minute now, really. You know, Miami was supposed to be underwater, what was it, in 2010. And so we're late. And... Uh, I can't imagine that if Barack really thinks that Martha's Vineyard is going underwater, he would have plunked down the money for his place or his place in Hawaii or Joe Biden's taxpayer funded walled beach house in Delaware. All of them indicate that they really know that what's being said here is true. They just don't want us to know. Mm. Dr. Moore. Yeah. One more little point. Um, the sea level is rising approximately 1.5 to 2 millimeters a year. So I have two things to say about that. First, you won't have to run. It's not going to uh, inundate you at any time soon. And secondly, if you really want to stop the water from coming in somewhere, hire the Dutch. 25% of their country is below sea level. And they've done that with engineering. And they went goes way back, too. I mean, they figured out how to do that a long, long, long time ago. But the, the real irony of the situation is that it is colder now during this interglacial period of the Pleistocene Ice Age. There's been 40 of them at least. The ice has advanced and retreated 40 times. There's a graph showing it very clearly from ocean sediment cores that show the, the first half, half of it was about 40,000 year cycles. And then it switched suddenly to 100,000 year cycles. That's called Pleistocene Conundrum. But regardless, it's the sea level has gone up and down in the 400-foot range 40 times. And every time the sea goes down 400 feet, all the coral dies that is above 400 feet, right? Just dies and, and leaves huge uh, caches of limestone behind because that's mostly what they're made out of. And then, but then when the sea rises from being 400 feet lower, the corals have to grow 400 feet in order to stay at the surface where they need sunlight. So that means that 40 times, 400 feet of coral have been deposited 
on the bottom of the sea. That's just the coral reefs. That's not all the other shellfish. As I say, coral reefs are thought to account for about 50% of that. So it's colder now than it has been through almost the entire history of life. This is an ice age. It's called the Pleistocene. The people in charge of propaganda are trying to convince us that the ice age ended when the most recent glaciation ended. No, that was one of 40 that have occurred in the Pleistocene. And to all accounts, we are now descending very slowly along the 80,000 year descent into the next glacial maximum. So you don't have to worry about your grandchildren, but it's gonna happen way out in the future. That is gonna happen in Canada may well again be completely covered in a mile and more of ice and people will have then have to move. You know, I don't understand why people are so funny, have fun about ice. Why do they think ice is so good? You know, penguins are on it in Antarctica, but they can't find anything to eat there. They have to go in the ocean to get all their food. And they're, they're about the only species that's living there. And you go to the tropical forests and you have the highest biodiversity on earth. And then what people don't realize is that humans are actually a tropical species. We evolved at the equator where it was hot all the time. It always has been. And, and when, when these cycles happen, the equatorial climate stays relatively the same. It's, it's at towards the poles that it cools and heats. And so we came from a place where we could survive without fire, shelter, and clothing. Well, an animal fur on a cool winter night would be useful. But we only came out of Africa because of fire, shelter, and clothing. Fire, control of fire, mostly from wood. Now everybody's against burning wood. They're against burning anything, actually. They are opposed to fire, period. Doesn't matter what, what it is that's being burnt. And whereas Western Europe has waste to energy, about half of their waste goes to recycling, the stuff that's suitable and, and, and economical to recycle. The other half, they burn, and 4% of all of Europe's energy comes from that. Yet over here, we dump it in landfills. About 50% of all Canada and the U.S. waste goes to a landfill. And a bunch of the other stuff gets recycled, of course. But we could actually use it. But they're, they're, they're basically against combustion of any kind, of burning organic material. Like the main things are wood, paper, and plastic. They're all, they're all of life origin originally. Anything that will burn is of life origin. Otherwise, it would have burnt when the earth was still red hot and wouldn't be here. So all of that is due to natural processes or our manufacturing of plastic from fossil fuels. And the, the campaign against fossil fuels is just a proxy for the fight against fossil fuels because that's what they're made from. But you see a protest of, of, of plastic. Everybody's in plastic kayaks with plastic paddles with plastic coats, plastic life jackets, plastic shoes, plastic everything. And that's a protest against plastic. So <laughs> shake your head. <laughs> and it, so kind of if we're to boil it down. This is almost a form of like natural energy harvesting, right? Like a like a like a mill in a river, or a you know a, a dam or a geothermal vent, and that they've examined something that is occurring. There is movement, absolute value, right? Zero to one or zero to negative one. There's still the absolute value of one. So what they're doing is taking something that is changing. It can be anything. 
They're, they're choosing climate. And they're saying this has to stop and we need to rally the resources of the populace to stop this. And we are the chosen gatekeepers who will stop whatever it is that's moving. It's dragons, it's climate change, it's terrorism, it's whatever. And then Mr. Spencer's expertise is, and then you also have to define everyone who is against this valiant effort as terrorists who need to go to Guantanamo. And when you look at it that way, it's not good. But in terms of just like respecting the game, I mean, that is how you'd rule the world is just choose a movement, say the movement needs to stop and denounce everyone opposed to it as evil. Mr. Spencer, what are you smiling about? I love this. This is, <laughs> this is just, this is mind blowing. It's fantastic. Well, it's not just random, like choose something. What did they choose? The big, they story. hate. See, I've just heard this now. I'm just learning this from Dr. Moore. They hate fire. Now what's fire, but the basis of civilization. The ancient Greeks taught us that with the myth of Prometheus, bringing fire down from the gods, and that's what liberated humanity. Yeah. And he was punished for it because the gods wanted to keep humanity enslaved and in a primitive state. But fire enabled civilization. In Dante's so, Inferno, what's the centermost circle? Dr. Moore is saying... That the 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 that fire that combustion is what they hate, and I think yeah, because they hate civilization, and like we were talking about last time, they hate life. It's anti-human, and so they love death. They want to destroy. They've got to go after fire. It is the core. It is the core thing to. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, kind of like biblically, like, what is the centermost circle yeah. of hell according to Dante? It's not fire. It's ice, and when when Doctor Moore yes. goes, they 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 love ice. I just got the image of like you know like Dante's illustration. It's like Satan, and he's up to his chest in ice, and he's flapping his wings. And it's like this truly is in like the most poetic version. It is just an inversion of all that is good. They don't like they don't want combustion, and they don't want anything that comes. They don't want no sunlight, no growth. No, it's all evil, and you have to hate yourself, and you have to flagellate yourself. You have to say, look how good I am. I don't burn anything. I don't turn on electricity. I just, I don't do anything. And Dr. Moore, as we did in our last episode, kind of shows you like there's nothing, there's nothing to hate. It's all, it's all just, it's not only is it fine, is it's beautiful. And they don't it's want so, that. Dr. It is Moore. so beautiful. The story of the polar bear is one of my favorites because of course, they're saying the polar bear is going to go extinct because the ice is going to melt and their population is declining. And that's all propaganda. There's no truth in it whatsoever. What they don't tell you is that the polar bear would not exist if it weren't for climate change. Climate change is responsible for the creation of the polar bear. Before this ice age started, about three million years ago, the ice started to form. There was no ice on the poles for 250 million years since the previous ice age, which lasted 100 million years. This one's only 2.6 million years old, and they're saying it's over. We don't know that. It could go on for another 50 million. But we, could, we, we have shown that we can survive during a place, during this, we came through the last major glaciation as human beings. So we can survive, but it, it will be a completely different situation if we get another glaciation like that. But back to the polar bears. The polar bear is 
is a result of evolution from the Eurasian brown bear, which we call grizzly bear here. They are the same species. They came, the, but they came from the old world to the new world, just like humans did over the Bering Land Bridge. And now they're on this side. But as soon as the ice came down as far as the north coast of Russia, the brown bears could go out on the ice and they found that they could hunt seals out there through the breathing holes and, and the pups of the seals. So, but they're now in a completely different environment, an ice environment. And, and, and when, two, when a species gets separated into two separate populations, they, they start to spe speciate differently. The brown bears remain pretty much like they were a million or two million years ago because they're still in the same kind of environment, eating berries and, and what animals they can catch. But go, hunting for seals on the ice is like a so, so different thing. And being white is a smart thing to be on the ice. So they turned white and they got a more carnivorous diet and they became half again as big because they're pulling 300 pound seals out of a hole. There wouldn't be a single polar bear in the world if the ice age hadn't come. So, so we can blame it on climate change. And, and getting colder is what caused polar bears to happen. If the earth warms out of this ice age, but it might not be for a million or 10 million or 20 million years, we have no idea what causes the ice ages. They, and they have no pattern. They're, they're totally random in their frequency and in their length. The one before the Karoo, which was the 100 million year one, the Silurian ice age was quite short by comparison. This one, we have no idea when it's going to end. But, you know, take take also the coral, back to the corals again. They say that if it warms, the corals will die. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the most species of coral are in the warmest ocean in the world. It's the coral triangle. Everybody knows this. It's in biology. It's got 600 species of coral plus and 2,000 species of reef fish, more than the Great Barrier Reef, more than the Caribbean. It is the richest in the world and is also the warmest ocean in the world. And we know for a fact that over the 50 million years since the Earth cooled out of the Eocene thermal maximum, that was after the dinosaur extinction, the temperature went up to about as high as it's ever been in the history of life, at a, to, to what we know back to a couple billion years. And so it went up there. Quite a, All the ice was gone long before that. And then it's, in the last 50 million years, we have been in a 50 million year cooling period with a couple of pauses along the way. And then the Pleistocene Ice Age comes on. The Caribbean had two times as many species of coral during the Eocene Thermal Maximum as it does now. It's lost half its species because it's cooled. And if it warmed back up to the temperature it was during the Eocene, it would be suitable for twice as many coral species as it is now. So this is a total lie. Corals are a warm water preferring species. And the oceans are colder now than they were during the Eocene thermal maximum or any time after that as it descended in this 50 million year. The graph is there for everyone to see. It's, and it's, it's created by sediment cores in the ocean where they can see the layers and they can look at isotopes and they can figure these things out. They're, they're able to do it. And they've done it for all different time scales. And there's no doubt about it that this is one of the coldest periods in the history of the earth right now. And it's going to get colder again if the, the pattern that is now shaping up the last 5,000 years with the Minoan warm period 
3,000 years ago being warmer than the Roman warm period, being warmer than the medieval warm period. And now we're in, have just finished coming through the little ice age. And and for the last 300 years, we've been gaining back a little bit of warmth, like about 1.2 degrees Celsius. And they're saying that 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming is going to be a climate catastrophe. That's that's less than the difference between the average temperature of New York and Washington, D.C., never mind the equator, right? There's people living at the equator, you know, guys, and there's people living in Northwest Territories in Alaska. And how do, how do they think, what's it going to do? You know, is it is the whole world going to be one big hurricane that lasts for 20 years or something? No, it's not. There's no. There's been no increase in the frequency of hurricanes. There's been a vast decrease in the incidence of people dying from severe weather because we build our buildings better and we have warning systems of when these things are coming. When those, I forget how many, did 10,000 people die in the in, in the hurricane in Texas around 1890 or something, but they didn't know it was coming. Nobody did. So they weren't even prepared for it. Now there's a four days warning and people can evacuate in their electric cars and the battery runs out and then everybody can't go anywhere. We don't want that to happen. Change wanna, the subject. I want to see Dr. Moore fight Greta Thunberg in a cage ring. I think that would be great. Um, uh, but so here's, and someone can fact check me on this, but I'm, as far as I'm aware, and this is per Richard Rhodes' book, uh, Energy, humanity's never gone to humanity's never moved to a less a less dense energy source right from timber to coal to to petroleum to to uh, fission to fusion we've never gone backwards this whole idea of we have to move to renewables and I'm all for energy independence and innovation and all that go for it but back to the very disliking of fire itself and thus the really the hatred of the the blossoming of civilization it seems like that is just yet another branch is to move to you know it's it's like banning you know like a fully automatic weapon to just like a semi-auto then you got to get rid of the semi-auto just a pistol get rid of the pistol just a knife get rid we're slowly moving backwards it's got to be windmills it's got to be solar and the, the the net effect is less and less energy source less and less human growth and innovation and i think I think Mr. Spencer, you could maybe touch on this. Is it seems to all stem back to, and I hate to simplify it, a general hatred or or repulsion or opposition to all things human. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's what it is. And yeah, you're right. It's a regression that we're looking at that will be irreversible once they get rid of the internal combustion engine and we all have electric cars and then the electric cars don't work and can't be recharged and there's not enough energy to charge them anyway and so then we go back to horses or whatever and we're stuck in our 15 minute cities because there's no way for transportation on any serious level these things are irreversible and then the scam will be eventually obvious to everyone and it'll be too late but this seems to be something that the people who are doing this have consciously chosen and that's unprecedented as far as i know in human history there have been periods of regression before and 
periods of depopulation. You know, the plague hit the uh, Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire in the sixth century and recurred several times after that. And the population was decimated. The population in the Roman Empire was higher in the fifth century than it was in the 10th. And you had a concomitant recession of civilization to a certain degree. The educational level lowered, the cities were largely depopulated. You know, you would go to Constantinople and there would be whole neighborhoods and whole districts that had once been thriving that were just empty and overgrown because there simply weren't as many people as there had been. And the general level of everything in civilization lowered because these things, of course, advanced by dint of human achievement. And if there aren't as many humans, they're not achieving. And so everything regresses. But I don't know of any time when this has been consciously chosen by this sinister cabal that we have today that is trying to push this on us. You know, that that happened because the plague happened and they didn't know how to deal with it. And it's the same thing when you look at ancient Greece, you know, and Socrates was teaching and Plato was his disciple and Aristotle was there and Aristophanes was making fun of them. But try to name some guys from 100 years later. Mm. They're all gone. You didn't have that level of intellectual exploration anymore. But that also was due to a variety of factors that were not self-induced. And this, this, it's some, it's, it's, it's extraordinary that we have a group of people in a complex and advanced civilization who are determined to destroy it and set us all back to a level from an earlier period. But that's what we're dealing with. Dr. Well, the, the, the war against nitrogen fertilizer is perhaps the most pernicious one of all. All right. The, the nitrogen is about 70% of, sorry, nearly 80% nearly 80 of the atmosphere. And uh, 79, I think. So it's most of the atmosphere. But nitrogen is a very uh, neutral element. It does not combine with other elements easily. And for an example, in, in a combustion chamber of a car where you have very high heat, that's what NOx comes out. So nitrogen will combine with oxygen in the in the combustion chamber, but that doesn't happen naturally. It's the nitrogen fixing bacteria in the soil that make it possible for plants to get nitrogen. Otherwise, they they can't take it from the air directly, even though it's nearly eighty percent of the air, because it, it won't it won't make any reactions with anything that's in the plants. So the nitrogen-fixing bacteria have figured out how to take nitrogen and turn it in to nitrogen compound. So, but, so that is a natural fertilization situation, which hardly anybody even knows about. All the legumes, for example, the peas and the beans and those kind of things, they are all nitrogen fixers because they have place in their roots where the bacteria are giving a home. They make little nodules so the bacteria can go in there and have a home the bacteria give nitrogen to the plant and the plant gives sugar to the nitrogen, which is their food. And they use that to make the nitrogen compounds. So it's it's one of the most important reactions in the whole of life. But of course, we wouldn't want to teach children these things. And uh, then, then, of course, the nitrogen fertilizer 
was 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 created in the early 1900s and then later about 1930 it became something you could get a big bag of and Haber a Haber Bosch mm -hmm. process Haber got the Nobel Prize for figuring out how to make ammonia from nitrogen and natural gas that's where the 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 uh, hydrogen in the ammonia comes from and and carbon dioxide is is emitted in this process that's one of the reasons they say we shouldn't be doing it anymore and and bosch got he was an engineer bosch got a nobel prize for scaling it up to an industrial level so we could have millions of tons of nitrogen fertilizer and if it weren't for the nitrogen fertilizer there would be no more than 4 billion of us in other words half the human population is here because the nitrogen fertilizer makes the crops grow so much more uh, abundant. And that is a fact. And they're, and, and they're saying we should get rid of that. And the, 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 the unfortunate thing is these people who say there's too many people are, are not willing to go first. Mm -mm. A, a world where there weren't any people who thought there were too many people would be a much nicer place to be <laughs> than, than one that has all these th people who think there's too many people. And what is wrong with them? Their thinking is illogical. If they wish to help, they should off themselves and set an example <laughs> for the other people who don't like people. Yeah. And and then we could all be happy and 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 do the things we no need to do, like build more nuclear power plants. Uh, they're the ones who don't like nuclear power too. Yeah. I mean, and it isn't even fire, but it's sort of like fire, but it's pretty cool type of fire. And uh, you know the. <laughs> The breeder reactor, which Russia has already built two of and is building another one, and China's building one, they bought the patent from, from Russia. Russia is the most advanced in nuclear technology of any country. But China and India are both building nuclear plants at a pretty rapid rate now, too. And uh, But these, these breeder reactors, what they do is, it's sort of like in the Bible, there's the parable of the loaves and fishes, where Jesus feeds a multitude with one fish and four loaves of bread. Yeah. That's what nuclear energy is, because uranium-235 is the only fissile isotope in the world. No other isotope can be taken and used to make nuclear energy. But in a reactor, like, and, and, and uranium-235 is only 0.7% of natural uranium. So it isn't even 1%. It's only less than 1% of the natural uranium can actually be used to make a nuclear reaction. But during that nuclear reaction, the uranium-238, which is in there with the uranium-235, is transformed from a fertile isotope to a, fissia, a fissile isotope. Fertile means can be made into a fissionable period thing in a reactor. So we can turn all that 99.3% of the uranium into into plutonium-239, which is what the Russians are running that reactor with, and France uses some of it too. So it makes more than 100 times more fuel available than if you only use the 235. But then there is thorium. Now, yeah. people talk about thorium reactors. Thorium is not fissile. You cannot make a nuclear reaction with thorium. It first has to be converted in a reactor that's now running either on uranium-238 or plutonium-239, converted into uranium-233, which is fissile. And there is six or eight times as much thorium as there is uranium. So now we have multiplied the amount of fuel by a thousand. It, 
right? And there's already a lot of uranium-235 to last for a long time. But all of this, all of this other, these other isotopes, of which there are vastly amounts more, can be converted. So this is a, a, an energy source that will run into the thousands of years of the future. And, and, and we could replace 50% of the fossil fuels we're using with, with nuclear energy in 50 years, easily. And I think that's a good thing because fossil fuels are very precious and we're using them for things that you don't need to use fossil fuels for. Like heating a home can be done with electricity, right? And well, actually almost anything that happens in a building can be done with electricity. The heat, the air conditioning, the appliances, the hot water, all of that can be done with electricity. So you can basically, and, and, and buildings are somewhere between 30 and 40% of our entire energy use in the world. You know, more than cars, more than more than transport. And transport is where we need to, anything that moves at long distances, well, not anything, because boats could all be nuclear powered, big ships. If you can take 100 nuclear missiles underwater in a nuclear powered submarine for three months at a time, you can probably put a nuclear propulsion in an oil tanker or a cargo ship. Of course you can. And running nuclear isn't that complicated. It's no more complicated than running a diesel engine. Once you have the technical ability to do it and look at the screens and see, make sure everything's working right. You know, once they're built, they're not that hard to operate. And we've got nuclear operators. There's over a hundred nuclear reactors being operated in between Canada and the U S here. And the, the, the number of nuclear warships there are, especially submarines, but also aircraft carriers and, and, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of them. And the whole Russian uh, icebreaking fleet, six mm -hmm. big boats, are all nuclear powered because then they don't have to refuel them when they go up there for the winter and spend their whole winter up there. Yeah, they they can they don't have to re they that fuel lasts the whole year maybe maybe more. I don't know how long it lasts actually, but it lasts a lot longer than a tank of diesel fuel. And the 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 whole it's so there's so many things that could be done to make the the energy system better. And then now they're building fifteen hundred wind turbines or want to off the east coast of of new york and uh virginia and down that way and the whales are dying four four times faster than they were before they're washing up on the beach and and dolphins too and they're doing these sonar surveys with a sound whales are an acoustic species you can't see very far in the ocean but with sound you can you can see a lot further and talk to each other uh you can't it's hard to talk underwater if you may have noticed when you take your scuba mask off. And uh, so they're, they they're want to build these. Greenpeace is on the side of the wind machines. They're saying there's no proof that the whales will be hurt. I went out on four expeditions into the Pacific, the deep Pacific against the Russian whaling fleets. And we stopped the killing of 30,000 whales a year. And here now the board of directors of Greenpeace is basically taking the side of non-renewable machines over life like when they say wind and solar are renewable yes the wind is renewable and the sun is renewable but the machines aren't the solar panels are not renewable you know renewable our food all our food is renewable that's organic that's different than a wind a wind turbine is not organic it's made with huge amounts of concrete and and metal and fiberglass and they can't even figure out a way to recycle the blades. They bury them in the ground. Yeah. 
you know and it, it and i've always said that all the wind and solar technology all the infrastructure should have to be built with wind and solar energy all the mining of the metals and stuff that <laughs> is used, i bet there wouldn't be any energy left over and this but let me tell one more fact that sure. is absolutely outstandingly ridiculous okay the wind and solar is only available at the best a third of the time on average between the two of them of course the wind's not solar is not available for half the day which is the night and in the late morning in early morning and late evening it's there's not much coming out of it either it's only when it's in a cone like about like this that you get deep i have a solar house for 23 years in in baja mexico but they're sunshine about 320 days a year and so it's and it's it's just a house it's not a whole city with factories yeah and so when the wind and solar are working when else can you charge the batteries but when the wind and solar is working so not only do you have to supply the entire supply of electricity for the city and the industries but you have to charge the batteries which is two times more so it's three times as much capacity must be built in order to have somewhat guaranteed electricity 24 7. it's still but if then if you start looking at the cost of the batteries you're starting to, like it's the whole GDP of the United States kind of thing. So it is technically and, and economically impossible to do what they say we should do. And that is why, uh, Robert, I'm sure that's the reason why you are saying that this is going to be a disaster and, and set civilization back. And we may we may have actually billions of people die if we do what they say. That's what that's what would occur. I'll shut up for a bit. <laughs> and Tommy, in that we talked about last time, they want millions of people to die. Yeah. And they believe that there's some climate, or at least they want us to believe that they think there's some climate catastrophe that's happening that they can stave off, but that the world would really be better off if there were billions fewer people in it. And so it makes me wonder, you know, hearing all this and, and most of it for the very first time, it makes me wonder how long this campaign has gone on because nuclear energy, of course, has a terrible reputation and it goes back to decades before. I remember, you know, when I was in high school in the 70s, hearing about how dangerous it was. And then there was the movie right around that time um, with Jack Lemon. China Syndrome. China Syndrome. Thank you. Three Mile Island, right? The, uh, the meltdown. And everybody got afraid about nuclear energy. And it seems to me that a piece like that has a tremendous cultural influence in manipulating people into thinking that this is something that has to be stopped and that nobody's making a movie about the whales being killed by solar energy. And nobody is talking about that in the popular culture, of course, quite obviously because the people who want to bring all this about are also in charge of the entertainment industry. But if there were such a presentation, then it would change a lot of people's minds to be sure. I, I kind of <clears throat> have been developing a, a running uh, theory or doctrine to, to live by. And it's just that Eisenhower was right. If Eisenhower says, be wary of the military industrial complex, be wary of it. If Eisenhower says we need atoms for peace so that we may power the globe, Eisenhower was right. 
So just go back to him. Whatever he was saying and whoever hates him, go the opposite direction. But it's like, um, you know, it's it's uh, it was it last summer when all those uh, illegal immigrants were bussed up to Martha's Vineyard and we saw just how quickly they could remove them, right? But we can't do anything when there's a you know a million coming over the southern border, and you see that they can if they really want to do something about it. That's kind of how I feel with nuclear energy. If they really truly feared what was going on, we'd have a we'd make the COVID stimulus look like look peanuts. We'd be a nuclear reactor in in in, in every city, and and we'd have them upside down and backwards. There'd be a crash program, colleges for free if you go and do nuclear research. We'd have all the you'd see propaganda. It'd be in the movies. Every Marvel movie would somehow end with the construction of a nuclear reactor. I don't even know. They would just do it. Toy Story would be whatever. There'd be memes. It'd be the new Ukraine flag. It'd be like the cooling tower. But we don't have that. And that shows me that they don't believe their own bullshit. Yep. Not one person has been killed by a nuclear reactor in North America. And there's over a hundred of them running for 50 years plus. <laughs> That's what not I mean. one person. That's what you I know, mean. The oil and gas industry has way more fatalities. Well, actually, there aren't any <laughs> except Chernobyl. That was the only nuclear accident that caused death. Yeah. And that was because they did a stupid experiment by telling the operators to shut off the safety systems and it was built with with what's called a oh it's like it's, rbmk yeah the rbmk yes but that was that design was a cheap design for making plutonium for nuclear weapons and they cookie cut it all over the former soviet union as power reactors but it had the unfortunate possibility of becoming a nuclear explosion and that's what happened when they took the safety systems off. That was actually a nuclear explosion. It blew a 2,000 ton concrete top off the reactor and it took 10 days to put it out. And the firefighters are the ones that died. They were yeah. right in there yeah. in the core, right? Three Mile Island didn't kill any, even injure anybody slightly. And nobody died from radiation at Fukushima. Two engineers died from the tsunami when it came ashore. And, and not only that, that was the stupidest things they designed there at, at Fukushima. They put the reactor eight feet above sea level in a place where they knew there'd been tsunamis before. And then they put the backup generators to run the pumps to keep the cool cooling water going through while the fission products decayed to a cool enough level that you didn't have to cool it anymore. That's about four or five days. And they put they put them on skids in front of the reactors. They weren't even nailed down. They could have put them in bunkers up the hill and had underground wires to the pumps and everything would have been fine. But they lost all their outside power. They lost their nuclear power. And then the pump started. And one hour later, the tsunami hit and washed them all away. And then they let those hydrogen explosions happen in the coverings over the reactors. They could have easily broke the glass there and let the hydrogen out so it didn't explode. But they didn't. So it looked really... Horrific. And I, I remember when CNN had a headline come up with the news that said, nuclear crisis deepens as bodies wash ashore. Right. As if the nuclear crisis had caused the 20,000 deaths. Yeah. When in fact it was the tsunami, not the, 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 the that nuclear accident was due to a natural affair, natural event where things were put in places they shouldn't have been. You yeah. know, it's. Yeah, no, no. yeah. If CNN had their druthers, it would have been fossil fuel kills three thousand in Lower Manhattan on nine eleven. Like, I mean, like it's. And you know how you know again that they're not pointing out like what really happened at Chernobyl is because the fault is not in nuclear fission. 
it's in communism, which is another thing they don't want you to point the flaws out in. So it's like, no, that one was fun. Well, if they can say that wasn't real communism, how come we can't say that wasn't real nuclear power? It's a it's a double standard. But if they wanted to, we'd be on nuclear power. So, I mean, it really is almost, I mean, there is a spiritual aspect to it. Like, go forth and multiply to those that have, like, more will be given. Like, that is fission, 235, 238. It's there. I mean, think about Moore's Law, the doubling of the number of transistors on a silicon wafer every 18 months. They always think it's never going to do it again. It, we're coming up on this one, and we we can't possibly go past this. The The most you'll ever have is a Sony Walkman. And then some new free market thing breaks through it, and now we're there, and I'm on an M1 iMac, and it's already outdated. And we're going to keep moving forward. But think of the transistors on the wafer as human beings on earth well why do you want more transistors well so you can do more computing power and i now have at my fingertips what the president didn't have in the 60s more people and as as as, uh, mr spencer said more people more innovation well we want more transistors people on this silicon wafer the earth we want more and more and more and once we start to hit this limit of like i don't know how they're going to get the market forces or the human forces of survival will push through something the haber process what vertical farms uh, penicillin if you push it far enough natural selection will create you know the the necessity is the mother of invention and as dr vince hofton says in desperation is the drunk uncle like it will get done but they don't want it to and you almost have to is it you don't want more people you don't want more innovation why don't you want more innovation you don't want the thing to keep going forward and explore the cosmos it seems like like they want to contain it much like you should contain a pathogen at a BSL-4 lab. They, they don't want humanity to grow. They want to remove like microbiology. You want to remove the agar. You want to remove the sunlight. You, you got to go much deeper and start asking a philosophical question. Why is that? Is it, is it self-hatred? Is it sin? Is it... I'm ugly and I can't be made better. There is some deeply philosophical thing that I've is, always thought self-loathing was a big part of it. I think it they're, is. They're projecting, they're projecting their loathing of themselves on the rest of the population. I think. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent correct. We are not. And instead of going, yeah, I suck. Let's hit the gym tomorrow. Let's maybe not eat French fries tonight. Instead of that optimistic of like, let's get after it. It's this whole I'm fat and ugly and therefore you are and I'm going to blow up this building instead of being like hey bro let's just hit the gym tomorrow let's maybe not get Taco Bell tonight like there isn't that it's a deep deep thing and you know why is it that the people who are at the at the the reins of power why do they feel that I, I don't know maybe that's what happens when you reach the apex is it's it's not fulf- as fulfilling as you want it's like, why is a millionaire like miserable? They're in a penthouse with everything they want, but they don't, I don't know, but it's a deeply, and it's what Mr. Spencer and I touched on last time. I hate to write it off as this simple, but I mean, it kind of just seems like good versus evil, like hatred versus love and growth. And I, I can't really boil it down anymore. M- Mr. Spencer, could you maybe drop a comment on that? Could you bail me out as I'm, as I'm rambling? I think you're absolutely right. I'm completely in agreement. Uh, I, uh, I tell you, I have a problematic relationship with uh, religion, with Christianity, uh, really with Christians, not with Christianity. 
it's funny thing because I've had a lot of bad experiences with the church and I'm not meaning to get into any of sure. that, but the point is that I would have been very happy to say goodbye to all of it at many points, but at the same time, it seems to me that what we're up against right now is indeed something eschatological, something that has to do with be fruitful and multiply and the God of life versus people who hate God and hate life. And that's really, the, the lines are being drawn and that's where it is. And so uh, like it or not, this is the thing that makes sense of the world in a way that I can't find anything else that makes sense of it better. It, it, it is kind of something you got to hang your hat. Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Judaism, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there are these kind of core ideas. Yeah, well, I would argue with you that they're all the same. Well, that, well that's, what, that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. Islam is in that. I think Islam is on the other side and loves death. Okay. And all right. Well, the point I'm making is this. <laughs> why the elites like it so much yeah probably is because it, because it aligns with their pro-death perspective all right well let's but let's remove that from what i said another story for another day we'll remove that one from what i said everything else but there are these kind of like core yeah, ideas everything else is okay but everything else is good right it's like it multiply you know take care of the old you know more and more build and pass on and it, it is just this fruitful loving like sunlight and you know grassy fields and merry and holidays and, and feast and it's just like just this love and gregariousness versus like no you'll own nothing there will be no feasting you will live in your pod you will eat your bug and you will hate yourself because yeah this... you'll hate yourself you'll you'll think if if i were only a woman then everything would be all right if... so i'll mutilate myself and take hormones and be at war with my own body for the rest of my life and that'll fix it it now, is. see, only somebody who hates creation could ever have thought that and who doesn't trust in the creator. It is. It because is. otherwise you would think, well, I am what I am and I'll make the best of it, you know, in, for better or worse. And yeah. so it's it's ultimately a spiritual problem. Yeah. Well, it's a spiritual problem. But on the other hand, you know, there's they say there's a devil. Mm -hmm. people you know apparently there is supposed to be some bad devil that god can't defeat like in five seconds which he should be able to do if he's all powerful and so many of these narratives are are to me are more like fairy tales than they are like really looking at the actual what we actually do know about the situation and i think creation is god um i don't mm. think they're two different things okay I, you know, and, and we, we know so little, if you just take this one thing, like what I say about energy, without energy, there is no motion, right? Everything goes frozen. Everything is still. And without motion, there is no time. Because if everything stays the same and never changes, how could you measure time? Time is measured by change. And like how, how many years it takes the sun to do things and stuff. So I don't pretend. And I, I think I don't know why a lot of people use the language of religion as their as their philosophical base. I, OK, if, if, if you want to have a sort of spiritual dream, 
about what is real and what it isn't about God and creation and whether Jesus was real and all the all these things, you know. I, I don't do that. I I, I respect other people. Sure, I, I do sure. not ever criticize a person's religious beliefs. Sure. I talk about it with them, but I would I would never uh, demean it because they have a perfect right as a human being to believe whatever they want. And if they can't figure out a, a sensible thing and they have something no, nonsense, that, that's that's the, that's a problem. But I'm not going to criticize them. I'm just going to maybe I'll say, but, 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 but. Yeah. And, and, and it's, not, it's nonsense and it doesn't make any sense and it's stupid, but I'm not going to criticize. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would never say that. Yeah. I think you're great. I love what, everything that you're saying. On this, on this, we disagree. I think we're coming up to the end of the hour, and we could talk about it maybe at another time. Um, but uh, it seems to me there's there are a lot of people who are thoughtful and far more intelligent than I am who are theists, and so I don't really have any problem with that. I don't know that it's a matter of uh, wanting to embrace some silly fairy tale because you're not smart enough to figure anything else out. Uh, actually, like I was saying, I, I come, I would love to get away from it, but I come back to it because it seems to that it seems to me that these, uh, fairy tales and myths actually make more sense of the world than anything else. But I'm not asking you to accept that. Sure. And I think it would be a large discussion that we might be able to fruitfully have another time. That, uh, I, I'd in love, any case, yeah, I'd love, I think we all agree that there's a movement that is very much against life and all that is good. And it is very much powerful these days for whatever reason. Yes. And I think that's what we should all be focusing on um, as, as to whether we're a Christian or a Buddhist or whatever. Uh, I, I, th I personally, I think that's a personal thing. Sure. I, I, I don't care too much for people standing on the street corner, trying to, you know, make you read their booklet. And I, 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 my opinion on that, I came from a family where my mother uh, is an avowed atheist. Uh, in other words, there is no thea, the, theology, uh, is, is a, a story rather than what it really exists. And my dad was more of an agnostic. And uh, I've grown up uh, w with studying the philosophy of the European existentialist, uh, Bertrand Russell, the, the British and his group, um, I came to realize that that religion had a lot to do with politics, and uh, and and so I, I I don't really go there. Uh, I I look around at the world and see what I see and 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 learn what I learn, Whoops. and 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 want to stay stay with that, uh, not not to. Not to not to tell people that I know something that they don't know, uh, and that and that I can see the truth. You know, you know statements like that. I, I I don't do that. I actually use concrete examples of everything, I, and and I can't see God, uh, and uh, maybe he may. And why is it a he? Um, and and very basic things like that. Uh, and and is there really a devil? The, and and if so, why doesn't God burn him? I, or 
<laughs> I, I, th I think I think the point we're 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 all reaching is is autonomy, kind of you know, you do you, I'll do me, yep. and whether we are looking at it in a biblical sense, or we're looking at it as gross GDP, or we're looking at it as total watts of power being produced, you know, be it Dante's Inferno or just an Ice Age or whatever we want to call it, we all can label different ways and have our own beliefs and all that good stuff. I think we're all in agreement with that. Yep. It depends. On, I think we're all looking at one thing as call them the devil you can call them globalists you can call them green energy people whatever you want call them greta and then the other side and it just seems to be did you say greta i did it it just <laughs> it, it seems to be whatever you want rel religious atheist whatever it seems to be growth flourishing general merriment enjoyment of life versus self-hatred and self-loathing if we want to call it a religion or a science that's that's i think that's for the personal but i think we're all agreement in this self-love really versus self-loathing and i know i told i told mr spencer i'd let him go so i know i'm keeping you late yes we'll, I gotta and i know we'll get it we'll wrap this, this one up on the very meet you dr moore wonderful things i learned an immense amount and i much appreciate it and i i appreciate your uh knowledge base and i because I, I don't mean to discredit anything that people really believe sure. yeah sure yeah, no. if, it's on, if it's on the side of good, you know. Uh, maybe some other time we can get into that. I don't know if that's the show for it, but well, yeah, uh, no, no, no. I think that would be a cool another episode, guys. If you want to go to the description, including you, Mr. Spencer, if you want to get uh, get Dr. Moore's book, it's a great book, guys. If you want to go follow Mr. Spencer, please go follow him. His Twitter's in the description. Um, I got books too. Buy my books. All, all the link, the, everything's in there. I got you. I got you. Buy the books. Go forth and multiply. That's not just for green. That also means spend that cheddar, guys. All right. Fossil fuel and money makes the world go around. All right. It's not all just feel good, but guys. Let's wrap this one up. Dr. Moore, Mr. Spencer, I'd love to have you guys on again. That was that was fucking great. I love it. Um, you both Thank are you so a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah. Guys, love yourself. Don't no self-loathing. Go forth and multiply. It'll just, you know, the devil's a fucking loser. All right, guys. Much love. Thank you so much. Recording God bless. Stopped. Stay safe. Peace.